Welcome to another episode of Coffee with Mirko. Very excited for today's guests and uh, we believe we are at 72 episodes. So thank you. Thank you so much for uh, being part of this community. Thank you for being part of this family. Thank you for making this podcast possible. I'm really grateful that we have managed to pull off 72 episodes in such a short period of time. And it's all thanks to you to tune in and uh, our guests. And uh, it's just been very, very positive experience to create a place and a podcast uh, where we have these amazing coffee professionals and known because we are also looking at not bringing just coffee people. Um, I think there's more and more people who can add value to, to the community, regardless of their jobs and job description. But today, uh, this, we got a special, special guest. And I'm uh, looking forward to um, bring her on. And uh, yeah, so if you're new, uh, feel free to share this uh, podcast with your friends. And uh, it's called Coffee with Mirko on all major podcast platforms. Or we go live here two or three times a week uh, with different guests each time. And uh, yeah, let's send the invite to Wendelian. We're going to also find out how to pronounce her name properly because um, you know it's, it's a big name and uh, yeah so if you're old <laughs> if you've been here before thank you for making this possible and uh, if you're new welcome welcome to this space welcome to this uh, show let's call it show let's give her a name and uh here she is, so uh, we'll, uh, we'll bring her on right away. Good morning. Morning. Uh-huh. All right, should be okay. I think we are a little bit delayed, but... Um, uh, wow! Someone, someone messaged me. I wonder what hair color she's gonna have. So, you come with purple. <laughs> yep. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. First question before I ask you: How are you? How you're doing? Can you kindly tell me how to pronounce your name properly? Ah, sure. Yeah, it's Vendeline. Vendeline sounds. That's perfect. I can do this. Um, Vendeline, thank you so much for coming in and uh, give us an hour of your time. I'm sure you're busy uh, with your schedule and I really appreciate it. So how are you and your family with these all, you know, interesting times around us? Um, it's, it's at the moment pretty okay. Um, obviously, it was very odd like three months ago. I feel like we've kind of settled into whatever is happening now, um, you know, you kind of adapt a little bit and, um, yeah, it's, I hate saying it, but it's kind of becoming a bit normal. Um, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, you kind of go with it. You take a day at a time. And, uh, I actually got one of your best friends right here with me. Um, and, um, <laughs> show me. Ah, oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, which it brings me to question number one. And uh, 
how did you start in coffee? What's your story like? What's your journey? What did that look like for you? Um, I started in coffee about 12 years ago. Um, I was in college and I went to college, like to, to a lecture every morning. And I went to the closest coffee bar to, uh, to the university in Utrecht where I, where I studied. And there was a barista who made me my espresso to help me get through that first lecture. Um, and he was so excited uh, every morning at like 8 o'clock that um, he let me choose from two different coffees. Uh, and at a certain point, I asked what you do so much that you love so much. Um, because if someone can be that enthusiastic about his work so early, I was like, I need to do what he's doing. Um, so I, that was my first job in coffee. I started working there, uh, worked at a couple of different coffee shops uh, or coffee bars, I should say, in coffee shop in Holland means something completely different. Um, but coffee bars. Um, and then after about three years working in different coffee bars, working at the roastery where I work now, uh, it was about eight years ago. I started working at a coffee roaster, and it's a, a small uh, specialty coffee roaster here in the Netherlands, um, where I've been working as a trainer and a barista, and uh, started competing uh, when I worked for this company as well. That's fantastic. Just one thing, you're sort of breaking up. Uh, for me, hopefully not for everybody else's. So I'm not sure if it's me or you, but hopefully the connection stabilizes. So I, I got most of it. And I lost her. Um, technical difficulties. Hang on, I got you sorry. back. Yeah, sorry. I tried <laughs> no, it. I tried a different Wi-Fi. <laughs> Maybe that helps. <laughs> all right. All right, all right. Uh, hopefully it, it, it works. Yeah, well, I mean, it's incredible. It's just uh, how from, you know, going to, going to uni, you just ended up being fascinated with the process of coffee and, the, and then coffee turned out to be, I, I suppose, your current uh, life chapter for the past uh, 12 or so years. And, uh, and you know, to give some context to the people, obviously you won the World Aeropress Championship. How defining was that for you, um, that moment? Um, actually, it's been a pretty crazy year um, last year. I saw my first WBC actually in 2013 in Melbourne. Um, and that was the year that I really was, um, I got really excited about the com competitions, and uh, that's also the moment when I saw Pete Lacada win in that arena, and I got the first insight backstage, and I got to meet all those people that I only knew um, through YouTube videos, and, and, and they turned out to be so friendly and nice that I wanted to compete more. Um, so I kind of kept doing that, and I, I, always, wanted, I always focused on the competition. Um, and then when I, um, won the Dutch Brewster competition in, in last, uh, spring and I got to do, I got to go to the WBC myself, uh, in Boston, um, that was very defining for me. 
um, because I worked so hard to get there. Like that was years in the making um, to get to that point. And then the AeroPress Championship was such a contrast to that because um, the AeroPress Championship kind of started out as a fun, um, very low-key, low-profile competition, more of an after-party to the barista competition. And I liked the competition so much, but also the way it brings baristas together. So I kind of wanted to go to the Dutch AeroPress competition in November because some colleagues, former colleagues of mine organized it, the guys from Keen Coffee who organized it in the Netherlands. It was in my hometown. Um, you know, the whole Dutch coffee community was going to be there. There was going to be beers. I was just there for, for the banter and, the, um, you know, and, and the good times. And then, obviously, there's um, part of me that likes the competition as well. But I was just there to kind of support um, to support the guys that were organizing it. And um, I, I somehow ended up taking home that trophy, um, which was very surprising. I got into a big argument with my husband um, because I told him, you know, honey, um, you know how we're supposed to go to the AeroPress competition for just like make one cup of coffee, have some beers. I kind of ended up winning. So now do you want to go to London with me? <laughs> um, and, and he got really upset because he was like, how can you join the competition and not take into account that you might actually win? Um, and then I went to London um, and then, the thing repeated itself. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, I went to London and to go to the, to the World Aeropress Championships and it was, or, it was such a great organized event. Tim did such an amazing job and all the people who were organizing it. It was so much fun. And I, again, I just wanted to go there to kind of meet baristas from all over the world, have some beers, have some fun. Um, obviously, I'm going to give it my best. And, and do you know make the best cup of coffee that I can um, with the knowledge that I have? And I noticed that there was some um, some some pros to the fact that you've had some competition experience um, because you know there's a little bit of competition routine in there, but also because I'd been doing a WBC like four months before that, I was no stress at all. So everyone, uh, most of the comp competitors at the AeroPress Championship were really, really uh, nervous and, and like really were, you know, they were experiencing their first world championship. And um, yeah, so there was a lot of stress. And for me, I was just comparing it to a WBC. And I was just like, you know, I've got eight minutes for one cup of coffee. I don't even have to sell anything. No one cares about the way my apron is on. Um, there's going to be beers after. So for me, it was just so much fun. And I did the best. I could with the coffee that was given to me and um, yeah it just um, we I try to have as much fun in the process as possible try to you know meet as many po people as possible um, and and I think I got the most out of that competition as I possibly could because even if I didn't end up winning I met so many cool people that night that are still uh, I still stay in touch with and um, yeah I think that's even a bigger bigger gift than that trophy that's been sitting here even though it's pretty cool to have a trophy sitting on your shelf obviously. yeah and and look i mean i'm sure you were relaxed but like uh Cy Kalian saying you know i heard her podcast a lot of hard work sacrifice gone into winning though sounds very relaxed she's super pro so 
you know, obviously you worked hard and, uh, you know, something that I'm very happy to see is also the fact that, especially in the past two and a half years, we've seen so many females just winning a lot of different competitions, a lot of different categories. And, uh, you know, do you feel a sense of responsibility alongside with some pride on, you know, representing such a male-dominant uh, industry for many years, but now there's so many uh, amazing women out there doing, you know, you do and, and all of it. It's not just winning, but it's just, it becomes a stage, I suppose, to be, to have a voice. Yeah, I think um, for me, that's always a tough one um, because when I became, in 2016, I competed at the Dutch Barista Championships and I became runner-up and I was so proud of that um, accomplishment because I, you know, my, my competition run went smoothly. I did it the best I could at that point. Um, and then I turned out runner-up, which was amazing for me because I did not count on winning. I just wanted to kind of beat myself. And, um, and then people kept saying to me, because the guy who won that year was Lex, obviously, um, you know, one of the, if not the best barista that the Netherlands has. And um, he uh, was just better than me that day. And then people kept saying to me, like, you know, how does it feel to be the best female barista? I'm like, that doesn't really matter. To me because I was runner-up Lex was better I mean that he scored more points he was just better that day the fact that I'm a woman does not take away or add anything to that accomplishment so I kind of I think it might be different competing as a woman um, but that's mostly practical I mean for me there was a big gap between 2016 and 2019 because it's just impossible to, com to combine preparing for a competition with a pregnancy, you know, labor, recovering from labor, having a baby. That's just not, you know, I, I got, used to get really frustrated about that. Like, why can't I have it all? Um, because I thought that for a long time I had to choose, like that starting a family would be the end of my career. And I now noticed that it's just a pause like it's, it's, it may feel as a long pause, but in a human life, you know, one or two years is not really that long. So but I only realized that once I became a mother and I kind of found my way in that, which takes at least a year because of, you know, hormones and sleep and whatever. Um, after a year, I started, no, I started feeling like myself again. And then I discovered that, wait a minute, I'm not done with competing. Um, there's still a part of me like you just get a job extra but the rest is still there for me and so the ambition is still there and the fun I get out of competing and preparing for a competition was still there um, which and I think maybe for some women that tends to disappear I think that's different for everyone um, and I think the thing that is mostly changing that's causing more women to compete that maybe the guys are modernizing more as well I think um, it's more more and more equally divided at home. Like the only reason I am able to compete is because my husband is picking up the slack at home um, because obviously the closer you get to competition day, it takes over your life and you have so many, so little space in your head left for er anything else. Um, so he was the one that is, you know, doing the groceries, cooking dinner. He is putting my daughter to bed like the last, weeks before the barista competition 
I was just training, eating, meditating, doing yoga, going to sleep and repeat. So kind of like surviving and everything. So, um, and I could only do that because my husband was doing everything else, like taking care of our daughter um, and, and giving me just a moment to enjoy with her to kind of help me recharge. So, and I think because men are more and more supportive of women, um, I think they, that enables women to compete better as well. Also, I think it's more and more um, normal for women to admit that they don't have necessarily a, a wish to have children um, or, or, you know, um, want to settle or, or kind of, so I think that helps as well. Like around me, I see a lot more women who like openly admit, like, I don't really necessarily want a family life. Like I'm really ambitious. I don't necessarily want that pause or kids. Um, I like my life the way it is now. And I think that's part of the change as well, that it's more okay to make the choices that you want for men, both women. I love it. And I think you touched base on two amazing topics of, of, of good interest. You know, I think you're right in terms of the evenness and, you know, the fact that your husband is able to be at home and doing all the things that you can do. I think it's, it's an important element. I think it just, it just goes to show how diverse, you know, different, different people are in terms of, you know, how, how diversity is just beautiful because then you're able to, you know, have different opportunities. In this case, it was able to, you know, to take care of, you know, the family business that you, you know, the, 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 the other stuff. And, and, that, and that's beautiful. I think, I think that's, you know, that, that's just as much as uh, credit goes to the wives of the barista champions who are doing the groceries and cooking and, you know, picking up the kids from school and allowing the husbands uh, training, meditating, yoga, and going to sleep. Um, and the other part that I kind of want to tap in into is, uh, you know, competing is not a, a stroll in the park. It, it takes a lot <laughs> mentally and physically. So I want to kind of tap in more onto the, the meditation and yoga side. Is that something that, it's, how, how much that helped you I suppose throughout the entire process. Um, actually, quite a lot. I think um, to be in a, a, a competition, you um, start overthinking everything. Obviously, it's a lot about the details, and um, the closer you get to the competition day, the more your head tends to take over. Um, so, at a certain point, it's really difficult to kind of let go, put things a little bit in perspective because at a certain point you start thinking that it's really, really important and a big deal. Obviously it's really important, but um, the other thing that, you know, my husband really helped me with was kind of putting things in perspective every now and then, um, which I think is very important to stay sane because I tend to dive in and kind of forget everything around me. And that makes you a very unpleasant person as well. For everyone around you um, because you start to feel like it's really important and it's really there's nothing else in the world um, and I think the meditating and you know taking some time to kind of actively relax um, when your head is that busy um, is, is for me very crucial because otherwise I just keep going and my head won't stop and that will give me headaches and then you know you go into this downward spiral um, that will 
you know, make you end up miserable. So I need to actively force myself to, you know, tap in, see how I'm feeling, you know, what is happening in my body outside of like all that, all that is happening in my, in my brain. And just when you feel like you're kind of drowning in all the things that you need to remember and things that you do and all the training that you're doing and all the checklists that you're keeping in mind, um, it's really nice to just sit there and just, you know, count on the fact that you're still breathing, that you're, you know, that you have a house to live in, that you have a healthy family um, and that, you know, you're, that, that kind of put things in perspective very much for me as well. Just, you know, if I, I notice that if I don't do that on a regularly basis, you know, my head just tends to take over. And when my head starts taking over, um, things just go wrong. <laughs> I become very unpleasant and very stressed and, and very annoying to everyone around me. I think, and thank you for sharing that. You actually touched on a very quite personal point uh, where I am. Uh, but uh, I think the word that resonated the most, because it, you know, uh, it's something that impacted someone near me, is miserable. You know, it's like, you know, without without saying anything to you, but you know, I'm sure that you weren't as unpleasant. But I think it's so, it's super important what you said, and it applies to so many facets of life, not just competition. I think that whether it's a job, whether it's a a project, like I think ambition working hard, hustling, grinding is all good. Like, I, I, I don't want to demonize that. It's not negative. Up to the point that it's not burnout and that everything else around your life, whether it's your plants, that you're not watering your plants or your body, your diet, uh, the people around you, um, going you know, even you know, deeper if you want. Once you so zoomed in and everything else is out it's not a great place to be and actually it's going to work against you to the end result of that project or job or competition i think because of that you know you kind of walk around like this and you know it happens to everybody and uh, i'm glad that you rose that up i think it's okay to take a day off or half a day off or have a nap or go to sleep early I think it's super important. and it's, Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. Because, uh, yeah, you have to. I think one of the, because being able to put things in perspective is only possible when you're taking that moment to check in with yourself. And I remember in um, uh, 2018 when the WBC was here in Amsterdam and I was volunteering backstage So because uh, then I got to, you know, be in on the buzz and also help out and then also uh, catch up with, you know, some of the friends from the coffee industry. And uh, I was having this conversation with a very stressed out John Gordon and a very, very relaxed Pete Lakata. Um, and we were talking about parenting and because um, I hadn't seen Pete since 2013 and we'd both become a parent in the meantime. And we were talking about like how that backstage energy of the WBC is and how amazing that is and how that like brings you to that nervous point as well. And, and then he told me like, but you know, still um, as, as exciting as it is, you know, it's not as crazy as keeping a human being alive. Um, so that's really, I think becoming a parent that in perspective for him as well like you know as 
serious as we're taking these competitions, which we should because it's something that pushes us and, you know, brightens up our lives. Um, it's not like we're keeping people alive. I mean, we are making coffee the best we can and we love nitpicking and doing the work and, you know, obviously enjoying the, uh, the whole scene and the atmosphere and what it brings us. But it's so important to every now and then kind of check yourself and realize, okay, but in the end, you know, we're making coffee. Um, as much as I love coffee and I want to talk about it and I can nerd out completely, but it's coffee. And there are things in life that are, um, you know, so important. And there are things in life that we do and that we make important. And I think there's a big difference. Without trying to, you know, take away any of the credit to, you know, the, the competitions because I know firsthand how hard it work is. But we, I think the moment you stop realizing that you're doing it because you like it, it competing becomes work. And um, competitions do not make a lot of money. They cost a lot of money. So the moment, you know, you start seeing it as work um, and you're not making any money, you know, the balance is off and you'll start losing the fun to in it. And it's always supposed to be fun, I think. Yeah. I, I, I love it. And I think a good, a good way to say it is that ultimately, you know, whether it's trophies or whether it's money, uh, once you have them on your, you know, in your bank account or on your cabinet, they don't bring other things in life. Like, like if you got nobody to share those trophies with or that money with, then sort of what's the point? So I think, yeah, keep close to your dear ones. Keep close to yourself. What matter that? Look, it doesn't have to be meditation. It can be, I don't know, uh, Mikio Justin, he goes for, you know, big runs and marathons and big bike rides. Other people go, um, even Sanapo goes on cycling. Others, I don't know, go on whatever, whatever is your, you know, like sort of mojo and feel and vibes. I think it's important to remain connected on the fact that it matters. It's important, but it's, it's also not essential and you know, like you said, having fun and enjoying the process because otherwise, you know, you, you end up being miserable because then, you know, also if you lose, you end up being double miserable because it's like I've neglected, I don't know, uh, my diet, my plants and my auntie and I was lost. So it can be, you know, quite dark. And, but without taking any credit away from the competition or competitors, like I said, it's like you said, it's, it's relevant and important. It's just like you said about being grounded, uh, which uh, I appreciate what you said. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think it's super relevant. Um, and we haven't really tapped into this topic before. Um, and one question I got for you, Wendelin, um, otherwise, you know, this follower is gonna kick, kick my ass because she asked me, please ask her. If you can tell us more and what you can say about your AeroPress, recipe oh, i got this request she said please ask her and i'm like okay i gotta ask her so yeah, whatever um, you want to say about it you say it um, we're listening so yeah it, it's actually um not a very new concept um i was with my competition coach um philip Heinauer, who lives in zurich um and um, he showed me a way of making an AeroPress with the use of a bypass. 
And that was the first time I saw that and I tasted it and I tried it for like a couple of months on different coffees. And I started noticing, as you told me, that it keeps giving me amazing results. So the basic idea is you brew a really strong, uh, a really strong and intense brew with a focus on the acidity. And then you just bypass to the desired strength that makes it pleasant. Um, and I decided to adapt or use that for the Dutch and the World Aeropress Championship. Obviously, with the Aeropress Championship, um, the coffee is supplied, so you don't get to choose. And there was a pretty big difference between the coffees that we uh, got for the Dutch Aeropress Championship, which was a fully washed Kenyan, like super bright, a lot of acidity. Um, and uh, for the World Aeropress Championship, we got a beautiful... Um, uh, El Salvador washed coffee, so like very bold, big flavors, very uh, developed, very like low in acidity but high in sweetness. So like super opposite. Um, so it was pretty challenging to use that same concept of that bypass to such different coffees. But I really believe in it because you can adapt so many other things. But the idea is that you dose really high. Um, like I think uh, for the El Salvador, for the Air Pre for the World Aeropress, uh, I dose, sorry, uh, the people that keep tuning in are just uh, fun to see. <laughs> so if I'm smiling, it's because someone I know is, is checking in. And, and we just um, spoke about you, Miki. Uh, we're talking about you running and cycling. So there you go. Speaking yeah, of the exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that... Uh, as I, as I said, my, my coach showed me that if you dose really high and then extract really, um, really short, like for instance, 30 grams of coffee with 100 grams of water, and then um, only that gives you like a really strong brew, you'll end up with like 60 grams of extracted coffee. Um, and then you dilute that because if you... <laughs> um, if you dilute that again, um, you get all the acidity from a cup and I think that was the biggest challenge for the for the World Aeropress Championship because it was coffee that was relatively low in acidity. So I wanted to emphasize and isolate whatever acidity was in there. So that's why you dose really high. I extracted really short, like 40 seconds. So you get really like super, actually super under extracted coffee. Um, but then diluting it again made it really pleasant. Um, so I added like, uh, to the 60 grams of brew that you end up with. I added 100 to 120 grams of, of coffee. I tasted in between. Um, so to summarize, 30 grams of coarsely ground coffee, 100 grams of water. Um, you make sure you stir that. So it's kind of like all the coffee um, comes into contact with the water. Um, I used Aether filters. They're like almost Chemex filters like, and they're really good. Um, give you a super clean cup. And I flipped. Uh, after 40 seconds and I press it all the way down so press every little drop out of there you end up with about 60 grams of extracted coffee then you add about 100 to 120 grams of hot water um, depending on what strength you find um, delicious and then uh, so that bypass method is the first thing that that I think got me really far because after the Aeropress championships I got uh, some feedback from the judges that there was a lot of people were struggling with not over extracting the coffee because it was pretty developed and like low in acidity. Um, so it tended to get pretty dry pretty fast. Um, and I think this way you could really prevent that. And the other thing that I did was it looked ridiculous. I felt ridiculous. Um, 
but I cooled it down as much as possible. So basically, because it was such a fast, uh, fast brew, it took me like, including the grinding and the boiling of the water, I think the whole thing takes me like three minutes tops. And for the World Aeropress Championship, you have eight minutes to brew a coffee. So I brewed in three minutes, and then I just spent five minutes kind of pouring it back and forth in two pitchers, um, making a huge mess, of course, because, you know, um, I'm, I'm the messiest. But um, uh, it did cool it down a lot. And because the judges taste with a cupping spoon, I think um, if you, you know, you should always keep in mind when you're preparing for something like this, like how other judges can taste my coffee. And it's very different if you drink from a cup than if you drink from a cupping spoon. Um, and because I cooled it down and I kind of gave it some oxygen, like some air by, by decanting it, throwing it back and forth, basically. Um, it's not as sexy as it sounds. Very basic. Just cooling it down by, by moving it from one pitcher to the other. Um, I served it, I think, roughly around 60 degrees, which is just so much easier to detect all those flavors. Um, and also, especially with if you taste it through cupping. So I think that's what made my cup coffee stand out round after round as well um, just because it was easier to taste um, to detect the flavors because of the lower temperature and because of that brightness that was in there compared to the more traditional ways of, of brewing that coffee it's not a method I use on a daily basis because obviously 30 grams of coffee is, is quite a lot um, and quite wasteful so it's not a method that we use in our bar or um, but if I have a coffee that I really want to make a smashing cup of coffee it's, it's my go-to recipe still thank you that that was incredibly insightful detailed and uh, i'm sure you answered tanti's question but thank you i really appreciate it and, uh, i hope so. uh, we kind of just crossed the halfway mark and i have a ritual question uh out of the box question um so wendeline uh, if you could who would you like to have dinner with uh it can be anyone uh, doesn't have to be in coffee. Whoever you want, alive, not alive, anyone. It's your dinner. Oh gosh, um, I think Barack Obama would be pretty cool. Maybe with Michelle. I was um, gonna ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just because I'm, I'm, you know, talking about you know perspective and having pressure. Um, and, you know, being able to kind of have a family life in combination of being, you know, president of the United States. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated how he would balance and, um, that, that work life, um, and, and how he can have a fulfilling family life, which he seems to be having with, with, you know, that role as a as president that he used to have, um, of such a crazy country. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that, that, those would be very interesting guests indeed. Um, so thank you. I think um, I like this question because I like to believe that maybe in six hours you, something might pop in your head of like, oh, actually, I wouldn't mind going with dinner with someone else too. Probably. <laughs> good. That's it. That, that's, it's a good that's thing I wasn't goal. prepared for this. <laughs> um, sort of kind of going back to coffee but more about coffee rather than competition because I like to hear everyone's opinion around it I think that coffee is such a uh, sadly it's given so much for granted 
Um, I don't think that many people realize how lucky we are to be able to even drink it. Uh, it wouldn't be possible without the people, especially at Origin. So, you know, and that includes baristas and professionals and roasters and all of that. How important is to actually sort of go back into the people trend, not trend, but give more recognition, give more of a voice to the people of coffee? Could be, and again, anyone in the chain, because there's a lot of hands from cherry to cup. Yeah, I think that is, um, I think that is the biggest challenge and the biggest um, thing that we work on. Um, I heard um, recently someone saying, I think on a podcast, um, that you need to think about who you're fighting for. If you're with, if you're working for a company, you need to think about like, who am I fighting for and who, who am I fighting against? And I was lucky enough to go to uh, some coffee countries uh, a couple of years ago. So I got to meet some of the producers that we work with uh, at Single Estate. And that gave me so much insight and literally gives a face and a voice to the people's uh, to the people who have been, you know, touching your coffee before you even get it to the roastery. And um, it's, it's their job. It's their livelihood. They work so hard. I mean, we work hard, obviously, every day to brew that coffee to perfection, but it really uh, helped me to want to do even better because I had this conversation with a coffee producer who had been telling me about what they've been experimenting with, what they've been struggling with, um, how loving he was talking about his farms, about his plants, like the way he knew everything about agriculture, about the diseases that coffee plants could get and the struggles that different governments have um, or like producers have with like government procedures or so all these challenges um, that they face head on every day that make it so difficult for them to even get their coffee to our roastery in such a good quality um, and and obviously, you know, being such a great host, you know, you're being accepted everywhere and, and welcomed in such a warm uh, warm way, even though you're from like the rich West. And, and as you said, we do take things so much for granted. Like I, I saw that coffee um, production happening for the first time and, and like the washing process or the drying process, and it just made, made me realize I know absolutely nothing about coffee. And that's the thing I've been carrying around with me. Like, because when I just started working in coffee, like when I was a baby barista and I was, you know, working coffee for one or two years, I had this attitude that I knew everything because I thought I knew the difference between a washed coffee and a natural coffee. And, you know, I, I, I read some books and I watched some YouTube videos. I could pour a heart and I felt I was, like the best barista out there and I felt like this obligation of telling everyone everything I knew up to a very obnoxious point and then I made that trip and it just brought me straight back and made me realize again like I know absolutely nothing um, about the influences about the crazy stuff that happens during the fermentation process about flavor the possibilities of flavor and I think that's so important to realize when you're working behind a bar that there are so many people who are working just as hard, if not harder, um, for you 
to make, be able to make that coffee. So it, it just makes me value that product even more. Um, and I think that's so important because it, I have to be able to tell that to our guests who come here and have that coffee, who don't understand why it's taking a certain time to make a coffee, why we're being so um, complicated about it, why we just can't serve you, you know, any kind of cup of coffee, why it can't be faster or more hot or uh, more bitter or whatever. And it feels like my responsibility to talk about the people who made that coffee who you know survive um earthquakes and and volcanic eruptions and that influences their cup of coffee there was one of the coffee producers we work with in guatemala um in antigua they had that volcanic eruption i think two or three years ago when the fuego erupted and it destroyed not necessarily a lot of his farms but villages where people who work for him um, they were destroyed, they lost their houses, and that directly affects the coffee. I mean, the people who are in my shop drinking that coffee are drinking it from someone who is struggling and someone who's, you know, who has employees who lost their houses. And I think that, you know, that changes everything. And I think we should never stop talking to our guests, our, the people who come in into our shop every day, um, trying to at least find that space where we can um, without being becoming obnoxious, but just making them appreciate and value, trying to put value on that product, no matter how hard it is. Uh, I can barely top that off. I mean, I believe that what I can say and comment on that is what you kind of said at the beginning of the of the, our chat, which is like, you know, put things in perspective. So good level of self-awareness and perspective like you said you know it's like well now that i've seen it now that i've touched it uh, okay it, it sort of kind of connects to the core of humanity and which is connections human connections as well make a civilization possible i mean even though there's craziness out there but the human interaction is what can carry a story and can carry uh, a message and values so like, I, I love what you said because I think for many years we focus so much we pull our eyes and attention to the cup for a lot of it um, when now we go you know our pack presses our you know automated even milk steaming like and everybody's like oh that's terrible like I think it's great because if technology can save you 35 seconds and you can invest that 35 seconds in a one-on-one -on -one connection with a person who actually wants to talk, I think that's just amazing uh, opportunity. Um, and Los Cafés de la Riera is saying, you're right, uh, Vendeline, seeing firsthand how coffee's done and origin makes one realizes how little one knows about it. Which, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah and I agree with you on, on that as well. Like, I wish I, would, I could spend less time on getting my espresso out consistently and more time on talking about that coffee to a, a, a customer, I guess. Not because I don't like the technical part, it's just the espresso machine and the way it's brewed is just for me the means to an end, the means to uh, talk to people about why they're tasting what they're tasting. It's not because I like talking about that the most, it's because to me it doesn't matter. Obviously, being able to um, you know, you got to make that coffee taste good and you have to be able to win that trust first before people can 
start listening to you about, you know, whatever you want to tell them. So you have to make sure that it tastes good first. But for me, it's not about, you know, being behind the espresso machine to get, you know, get nerded out and, and to, um, but for me, I have to be a good barista to be able to serve good coffee for, in order for me to be able to talk to, to guests and educate them and try to create a bit more awareness that what they're drinking is, mm. is a product that has touched so many hands. And, and because the producers aren't here and people here are clueless, they have no idea that, you know, what, what happens in, in countries that are struggling with, you know, rain or with, with coffee rust or whatever. So it's not about the barista. It's not about me. It's, I'm just the vessel that tries to make That's that coffee taste good. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think it's, it shouldn't be about the barista. The barista is just obligated to speak up for the people who cannot speak up for their own product. So I just try to do that as good as possible. And I need to be able to make that coffee decently before I can do that. Because if I don't make a good cup of coffee, no one will want to hear the rest. Absolutely. And I think, I think we're going the right direction in the sense of that. Luckily there is a, sort of, you know, uh, advantage now, which is technology and uh, the opportunities to sort of having a small, medium, large audience of people who are listening, who are invested in listening. Uh, and that kind of gives a little bit of space uh, on the stage for, for the people that matter. And look, to, by all means, I know what you're saying, but obviously even uh, the baristas, you know, they're, they, they, they need the respect uh, and you know, barista roasters, but especially the people who are the most fragile and vulnerable, which is origin often in times. And I, and I think that technology element will help. Um, I was talking to a couple of people and uh, both at origin. And I think the goal is to sort of, I was actually talking about with, with John Gordon uh, last week and uh, maybe we'll do a second episode where he'll be able to sort of, tell the story of, of some of the people at Origin, friends of his. Uh, so they might not be able to have the internet connection to connect, uh, but they might be able to kind of tell their story to the world through, you know, John Gordon coming on a podcast and talking. And, and I think for me, let's go back to the connection. It doesn't really matter if it's one person, 10, 100, 1,000, 10,000, because once you produce a piece of content or once you produce something, you know, that can be read, listened, watched in one month, in one year, in 10 years. Um, and it's just about creating attention and creating a conversation flowing. That's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we got a comment. Our founder, Roger, constantly say, people first, then coffee. We need to gain people's trust first, and then we can introduce specialty coffee to them without fear. Well, I mean, I think that's, that's pretty much on point with what we've been talking about. Uh, thank you for that. And um, thank you for coming on today. I know it's just been crazy. I know you're busy. It's been crazy times. And uh, Instagram is quite terrible at live streams because they chop it off quite quickly towards the end. It's like 30 seconds and, and you're gone. So I kind of want to ask you the last couple of questions, uh, but before I do so, I'm really grateful to be able to sort of meet and chat about important topics. Um, and hopefully you My and pleasure. I can maybe do a second 
episodes sometime down the track and maybe do something different, maybe something fun. You figure it out, the idea. I'm open yeah. to anything. Um, Sounds good. Sort of kind of want to ask, what's next for you? And what would you like to see in the future of coffee? And what's your mission? So three big questions, and that's why we got 10 minutes, ample of time. But it's three questions <laughs> I always want to ask. Um, so there's a short term, a longer term, and a super long term. Um, short term is getting through this freaking pandemic um, with my company as good as possible. Um, you know, keeping everyone healthy and hopefully, you know, being able to start up all the fun things that make our job so much cooler, like the events. And I was so sad we didn't get to go to Poland this year and we didn't get to go to Melbourne this year for the World of Coffee event. So hopefully that will start up again um, sooner rather than later, obviously when everything's safe. But um, I'm looking forward to competing in Coffee Masters in London uh next spring uh, that was supposed to happen last year but then obviously everything got postponed so hopefully that's going to be happening um in april next year um which is always a fun competition i think um and then slightly longer term i do hope to get back to the wbc stage um because boston was such an amazing experience and i feel like i learned so much that I could do even better next time and I just I can't wait to go back in there um so hopefully I'm not sure when but hopefully I'll be able to make it to another WBC stage at a certain point um to kind of keep up that that um like that learning curve that I've been on um and you know long super long term I really hope that we can keep up this trend of educating and, and inspiring people on a daily basis um, until we get to that point where, you know, everyday consumers start appreciating the product more, that every day we have less questions about acidity in coffee and temperature of milk just by persevering and, like, staying friendly, staying patient, knowing we can, you know, have that conversation every day, day in, day out. But, you know if we have the conversation 10 times about temperature of milk or about acidity in coffee that, you know, every so many people will understand and appreciate the product a bit more. And that's a very, very slow process, but it's, you know, it's the only option we have um, just to kind of keep at it. Stay friendly in the process. Don't become obnoxious and kind of have fun with that, with that, um, with that journey as well, like for me, it's, it's almost a sport of getting guests to appreciate a good cup of coffee and get them excited and inspired. And um, that's what makes my job fun on a daily basis, even though that means having to explain the same thing day in, day out. And even though there's some days that I'm like, yes, I know you want your coffee more hot. But, um, yeah, it's, it's an ongoing battle, but I feel like, you know, we have no other option than just keep going because, you know, I feel an obligation towards the people who produce the coffee that I brew and that's what keeps me going. And, um, you know, the competitions for me are just um, to help improve my own skills and build a bigger platform for that 
beautiful. That's great. No, I, I love it. Uh, I think mean, uh, just a quick quote. <coughs> you know, like Rubens Gardelli says, acidity is not a crime. Uh, I got I to gotta get that T-shirt. Uh, he has yep. this beautiful T-shirt. Acidity is not a crime. And uh, um, I think... I think ultimately, even though it's repetitive, the reward at the end is so big, it's so relevant, it's so important to a lot of us. So it kind of makes it worthwhile. And thank you for what you do every day in the Netherlands, Holland, however you want to call it. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's thanks to people like you and a lot of other people that we're sort of we are where we are today and where we are going. It's also thanks to each individual's action in the process. And uh, everyone matters from the person who appreciates, understands, and is passionate about coffee and it's a home barista buying, the, let's call it the good stuff or the ethical stuff, you know, the big words, and, and people like yourself and, you know, world champion. And, and, you know, we're all part of the same. And as long as the mission goal is the same, we hopefully going to get there real soon. And, you know, I'm a positive kind of guy, so definitely. But uh, for now, Wendelin, it was uh, a real treat and a real pleasure meeting you. And uh, I hope to see you soon, maybe in a couple of months, to see where you're at, what your color, hair color is, look like. <laughs> <laughs> I can make no promises about that. <laughs> I know, that, that's okay. It's going to be a surprise. And, uh, and you know, obviously uh, wishing you and your husband and your your baby or the all the best uh during this time and um yeah we'll, we'll we'll talk soon but really thank you appreciate your time and the presence and your insights thank you thank you for having me it was fun we'll see each other soon let's do it okay thank you you have an amazing day ahead i know it's thank you morning time thank you yep <laughs> see ya bye bye There you have it, guys. Um, a really wonderful chat with Vendeline. Um, I was really touched by a couple of things that she said, especially, you know, a couple of things at the beginning where, you know, obviously she talked about the essential part of not burning out and the essential part of be ambitious, have a goal, but don't forget what really matters. Um, that was quite also personal for me. Um, uh, so... I could really resonate with what she said and how she said it. I think it's super relevant. I think it's something that's not much spoken publicly. A lot of people just talk about uh, the obvious things, but I think that itself was one of the best parts of the chat uh, on a personal level. Um, and thank you to all, to all of you all uh, listening and watching live or listening. This is a you know format of a podcast. I'm really appreciative of... Uh, each and one of you a big shout out to everybody who's here and uh you know same as coffee i don't give any of you for granted uh whether it's one three four seven twelve fifteen whether it's instagram blocking me whether the, you know my podcast grow to a certain number it doesn't matter i don't give for granted any one of you listening i appreciate each and one of you uh, each and one of you uh, commenting, each and one of you adding value. I just really have a lot of gratitude for, for for all of you, just as much as I have gratitude for our guests and gratitude for obviously, like we always say, the people behind coffee, all of them. 
people ask me always, what's your passion? And uh, my passion is people. And that's why I love doing this. Uh, that's why for me, the answer is people. And that's why we always, a lot of times talk about people. And uh, yeah, so anyway, thank you again. Hope you're safe. Hope you're well. Andre, my man, always here. Really, thank you, Andre. You're such a legend. Um, every time I see you, I know that you're here and uh, it's just really, it means a lot to me and all of you here, of course. Um, you know, obviously we got Tanti, Los Cafes de la Lira with great comments, Tamer, Ma, and uh, not everyone can commit for an hour and, uh, and I get it. And because it's available in other platforms, uh, people will want to, you know, listen 10 minutes and then uh, listen to to a podcast and uh, to you see Wong asking to be in my live the live stream will shut down in three minutes unfortunately so we'll have to do it another time if that's what you want otherwise I'll disconnect we got amazing guests on Wednesday amazing guests on Friday uh, check the stories turn on your notifications so you know when we go live so you don't miss any episodes and uh, and if you want to listen to our previous episodes if you're new well Spotify Apple Podcasts Android, Google Cast, whatever you want. Los Cafés de la Hierro, I appreciate you and your time. And Tanti, you stay well. All of you guys, sending you much love. And uh, thank you. Thank you for being part of this community. Um, I really mean it. And uh, yeah, I'll see you Wednesday.